Live from Nashville, Tennessee, this is the Campfire Cafe on the Equestrian Legacy Radio Network. One, two, three, four, one, two, three. I was just 13, small and shy, in a big North Texas town. Mama didn't care for rock and roll. So I would go to bed at night and set the clock alarm. And wake up to the midnight radio. A special time for dreamers, my only time alone. The music really stirred a young girl's soul. I learned of love and romance and the world beyond my walls. From those voices on the midnight radio. Texas moon was shining through my window As I dreamt of all the places I would go By the time I get to Phoenix Someone whispers And that Wichita lineman working the old main road Calling south from the midnight radio The world beyond my walls became a string of hotel rooms In this traveling night the magic comes and goes But sometimes Katie Moffitt with her beautiful song, Midnight Radio, to kick things off for this Thursday in Nashville, Tennessee. I'm your host, Gary Holt, and joining me way out in Albuquerque, New Mexico, is our co-host, Miss Bobby Bell. Good morning, Bobby. 
Good morning, Gary. We got blue sky and mild temps. What have you got today? Well, we have relatively mild temperatures for January, but we have gray skies. And uh, it's been that way for a couple of days. We've had quite a bit of rain out here. How about you guys? Uh, no, we've just had blue sky. Blue sky, blue sky, blue sky. <laughs> I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. Uh, I, guess. I want some I've... snow. Oh, well, you can you can keep the snow, but uh, I'd take some of the blue skies. I've often thought that uh, I needed to spend part of the year in New Mexico anyway. I lived in El Paso for about four or five years and spent most of my time in New Mexico. So the land of enchantment. Well, it should be. It's calling you. It's, yeah, I you know. know. You just have to. You just have to. You just have to get here, as they just say. Have just to have to answer the call. Yeah, have to answer the call. But anyway, uh, so gray skies here in Nashville and sunny skies in Albuquerque, but we have a fantastic show today. Who are our guests for the Campfire Cafe, Bobby? Oh my goodness, we have an amazing couple. Amazing as individuals and together dynamite. We have Floyd Beard and Valerie Beard, both of them with us this morning, calling in from Colorado. All right, so we're looking talk we look forward to talking with Floyd and Valerie. And then in the second hour of the show, we're going to head up to the eastern part of Tennessee, to the Big South Fork, and we'll be talking with Larry McMillan, the owner of Southeast Pack Trips. So we have a couple of hours of great show with some wonderful poetry from Floyd and Valerie, and then uh, we'll talk horses with Larry McMillan on Saddle Up America. But right now, let's take a listen to a great poem that Floyd has done. It's called Cowboy Honor, and it is from the CD Short Grass Country. We'll be back in just a moment on the Campfire Cafe. He's no longer needed. His big job is through. He's delivered his cattle. Now he rides slow and blue. The work is all changed now. He's needed no more. Like the mountain man before him, the cowboy era is o'er. But once he was a hero, boss of the West, with his shaps and his boots and his old leather vest. He lived by his word and he worked with his hands. And he respected his partner as they rode through the lands. He was never too busy to stop for a chat. He always met the ladies with a tip of his hat. Always easy to laugh and share with a friend. And if need be, he'd stand by him till time's very end. These men are all gone now. They're no longer here. Cattle are just products run by companies who don't care. His dress is a fad now, worn by city folk too. The cowboy image is a parody and is no longer true. I guess this is progress, I can't really say. Maybe to feed this old world it's got to be this way. Still, be it a business or a lone man in the dust, we all need to realize that cowboy honor is a must. Yes, he is still needed. His big job's not through. He still cares for his cattle and to himself is still true. Though the work is all changing, he keeps up the pace. Like the mountain man before him, the cowboy is a very tough race. 
Welcome back to Campfire Cafe on the Equestrian Legacy Radio Network. We just heard Cowboy Honor, written and recited by Floyd Beard from his CD, Short Grass Country. Well, joining us this morning are cowboy poets Floyd Beard and Valerie Beard, and they're calling in from their ranch outside of Kim, Colorado. Floyd and Valerie raised Crente, probably didn't say that right, they can correct me, cross cattle, and have a few horses and dogs. Ranching is in Floyd's blood and is a major influence on his poetry. He has performed for over 30 years to groups and gatherings throughout the West to rave reviews and critical acclaim. Mostly using his own poems, Floyd honors the history of the cowboy and rancher by reciting the classics as well handed down by the masters over the years. Throughout the marriage, Floyd and Valerie have raised cattle, but also taught in rural Colorado schools. Both have retired from their education careers, and when Valerie retired in 2015, she too began to hone her poetry writing and presentation skills. Today, they are much in demand at cowboy gatherings throughout the West, performing to crowds big and small. Please welcome to Campfire Cafe, a remarkable couple. They enjoy taking the stage and performing together and performing individually, doing their part to keep Western lifestyle alive. 2017 and 2016 IWMA Male Poet of the Year, Floyd Beard, and Top 5 nominee 2019 IWMA Female Poet of the Year, Valerie Beard. Please welcome Floyd and Valerie. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. <laughs> Good morning, guys. How are you? Fine. Happy to have you both with us today. We've been looking forward to this. We're, We're delighted, delighted to be, to be here. here. It's, it's going to be, be fun. fun. Well, it is going to be fun. <laughs> but as we get Quick. started, as we get started, because this is your first time, but certainly won't be your last time to be on the show. Uh, and let's kind of start with Floyd. Floyd, did you grow up in Colorado? I actually uh, was born in an early life in northeastern New Mexico. And your family ranch down there? Yes. My grandfather's homesteaded there in northeastern New Mexico on the Canadian River around Harding County. Yeah. So did you yeah, grow up ranching to Colorado there? when I was in high school? Okay. Uh-huh. All right. So you're really you're really a Coloradan then. Well, I've been in Colorado since 69. So that would qualify. <laughs> Does that make you, you a resident? That, that would make, I believe that, that makes me a resident. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, Valerie, where, where was home for you? I grew up on uh, the eastern slope of Colorado, up in the Front Range in uh, Loveland, Colorado. Okay. But uh, then went to college in Grand Junction, Colorado at Mesa College and then spent the rest of our lives in western Colorado until about, uh, well, I don't know, 2095 or so, and we moved down to southeastern Colorado, and that's, we stayed out on the eastern plains since then. 
Okay. How did you meet? So, how did you meet? Good so we, question. We want to know how you met. <laughs> good question. She stole my hat. <laughs> College on the Western Slope, but you know, a, a five or six hour drive was nothing to go to a good dance. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, gosh. Nor to go get a good hat back. Yeah. Or to get a good hat back. Yeah, that's right. That is right. Well, I, I, I usually ask when we have a husband and wife that are on the show together who made the first move. But uh, kind of sounds like you did, Valerie. Well, you know, sometimes with these cowboys, the girl just has to take the initiative. <laughs> <laughs> Not that they're a little slow at all, huh? No, but you know, sometimes they're just they're just really shy. Right, right, right. The, the, the now, quiet, Floyd, quiet talent. Floyd is- Floyd is um, very distinguished looking. You can, uh, he's tall, but he also has this flowing mustache that's really unbelievable. <laughs> Did he always have that, Valerie? Um, he has had facial hair most of the time that we've been married, I think. He cut his mustache off one day, and just shortly after we had our, our first daughter in uh he came in the house and she started crying because she didn't know who that man was. So he, he grew it back. Uh, that is pretty cute. That is pretty cute. Yeah. So poetry started for you how? I was uh, working at uh, Cowboy on the Western Slope when we lived over there. And I would go out and check the cows, and and I'd come back in and write down these little stories that came to me, and they always came to me in rhyme. And I didn't know there was such a thing as cowboy poetry. I was just a cowboy writing poetry about what I did. Right. And then uh, that was back in the 1970s and 80s, and my dad would hear those stories. He liked them. And he asked me if I would present to some of his teacher friends. And so I did. They liked them. First thing you know, I'm going around telling my stories that I've written down. That's then pretty one cool. Time I was at a, I was at a, uh, Spring Equinox Festival in Springfield, Colorado. And it was a rainy evening. 
and I was scheduled to present or present out there at the fairgrounds. So when we got there, I had a crowd of two. Uh-huh. <laughs> but I went ahead and presented my show, and come to find out, one of the two was connected with the Colorado Cowboy Poetry Gathering. Oh, uh, my gosh. That's where I learned that there was such a thing as Cowboy Gathering. Wow. Wow. Well, I started that to was ask. back before most of the gatherings today even started. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty cool. That is pretty cool. Well, you do a great job with your poetry, so let's let our audience hear a little bit more. And this is one called The Branding Time. When we come back, we're going to be talking more with Floyd and Valerie Beer today on the Campfire Cafe. We were standing around the branding fire, swapping some old yarns, getting jobs and tools lined out and waiting on the irons. The calves and cows pinned nearby were singing their misery. It's a western style of branding time on the high plains wide and free. We were in the saddle before daylight was pinking up the east and the cooks began in the early morn building up a branding feast. Then a call sings out, the irons are hot, punch a hole in your twine. Drag some calves round to the crew and we'll brand them up just fine. I can hear that din of building. A branding symphony, cattle bawling, burners roaring, cowboys singing out wild and free. A calf gets roped and a cow heads out. They cut her back on a dime. Cattle country rituals, a western branding time. The sun grows high and the irons grow hot and heat builds all around. Dark stained shirts, smoke and dust, a breath of air cannot be found. Humming ropes catch those heels, calves drag to the crew. Soon as one's done, another one comes till the last one's been run through. Then it's noontime now, the fire's turned down, there's teasing all around. The young bucks take the brunt of it, sitting cross-legged on the ground. But the food is good, the drinks are cold, plates piled high and free. Picnic on the branding ground, about the best you'll ever see. Then the work moves on, each does his share, the day goes fading by with laughter, yells, and bawling calves as the sun arcs through the sky. A rope gets pulled beneath a tail, the blow-up's on a colt. Cowboy sticks to the saddle seat, but he takes a mighty jolt. Then it's quiet now, the cattle's paired, the work's done for the day. The cowboys have all gathered round, someone's showing off a bay. But the tools are packed and the food is stored. He's coiling up his twine. Neighbors helping neighbors, a western life so fine. Can you hear it? Can you hear that din of building? That branding symphony with cattle bawling and burners roaring and cowboys singing out wild and free? A calf gets roped and a cow heads out and they cut her back on a dime. Cattle country rituals. A Western Branding Time. That's Floyd Beard, The Branding Time. Thanks for joining us on Campfire Cafe. Floyd, has there been much change in the way branding uh, branding time goes on from, you know, its roots in, in history to today? Is it mostly this, been the same, you know, always? We still do it very much 
what they call old style, where we rope them and drag them to the fire with the horse. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of places mm-hmm. have changed, and it's whatever works for your operation. We sure. have the the good saddle horses in the the area to work them, and so that works well for us. Yeah, yeah. Other people um, use a calving chute now and alleyways okay. and things. Okay. Okay. It's um it's it has it's a real social time too, isn't it? Yes, it is. We love branding time. Family gets together just like that poem there that was written about yeah. an actual branding. Yeah. And yeah. uh we got together and camped on the branding ground that year and did the whole thing. It was a great time, but every year families and neighbors get together and help each other out and and then have usually a big meal and sit around and talk for several yeah. hours after it's all over. It's a real Valerie, social what are, time. Valerie, what are some of the favorite foods that get prepared for branding time? Oh, gosh. Well, of course, there's always beef. <laughs> <laughs> And then, you know, it's always nice to have something sweet, but it kind of depends on if you're part of the crew or not what gets served, because if you're out working, you need to be able to have something that you can put on the table pretty quickly after coming in from the corral. Right. Right. So I can just imagine all kinds of good aromas. (laughs) I'm all about the food. Um, it's, now, it's been now, one of those. Let, go yeah. ahead, Bobby. No, no, no. Please go ahead. Um, you know, I've I've seen occasions where um, if you'll pull up to a corral that has a, a plug in, then there will be an extension cord and a crock pot sitting on the running board of the horse trailer. <laughs> <laughs> that makes sense to me. <laughs> you bet. Now, let's talk a little bit about, um, we're going to do a piece of yours in just a moment. So why don't you tell us a little bit about when you began to um, get into doing poetry and how how you, you know, approached that? You know, it, it was really self-defense. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I say, but actually it's, you know, I, I had just spent so long about, listening um, to Floyd perform and being around so many excellent performers. And in my teaching career, I just loved the reading and writing portion of, of what I did with children. And that was just a great springboard for continuing on with writing after retirement. When I retired, I told Floyd, I just didn't want to stay home all the time. And so by golly, it was time to, to get together and, and go on this poetry thing. Mm-hmm. Are you good sounding boards for each other um, as you as you work your pieces, or do you just kind of do it in, in private and then recite it for Floyd and let him give you feedback? Or how do you how do you work to how do, do you work off each other? Um, sometimes, but usually we'll we'll work by ourselves. Uh-huh. And we'll get a large portion of a piece written out, and so we have a, a pretty rough draft, and, and then we'll bounce it off the other person just to get their initial reaction. 
And so it's been really helpful for both of us to have yeah. someone. Yeah, I would I would imagine. Um and then do you also give feedback on how the how the piece is reading to the audience, you know, how it is in performance? Yeah, but at the first, we just want to get we want to get the flow, yeah. the meter, the rhyme, and and the sound of it. But you know, if like I was I was preparing for a, a poetry contest, and so Floyd would video me, and then uh-huh. he would show that to me and give feedback on uh-huh. on hand actions and things like that. But most of the yeah. time, we're not preparing for anything like that. You know, we only do those kinds of things just to get better at our craft. Right, right, right. I think um, Gary is going to play the Longhorn. You want to tell us a little bit about that piece? The Longhorn is a Bruce Giscadden poem, and and I like it just because, uh, you know, it's a little more humorous. And our kids, when they were in 4-H and FFA in high school, showed livestock. And so, you know, people around the, the Western world that have kids in 4-H and FFA, you know, they can kind of relate to this because they know what those animals need to look like. And, and the longhorn is not going to fit the bill. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's take a listen to the longhorn. This is Valerie Beard. We'll be back in just a moment. The old longhorn looked at the prize-winning steer and grumbled, what sort of a thing is this here? He ain't got no legs and his body is big. I sort of suspicion he's crossed with pig. Now me, I can run, I can go, or I can kick. But that feller's too clumsy for all them tricks. They're breeding such critters and calling them steers. Why, the horns that he's got ain't as long as my ears. I can't figure what he'd have done in my day. They wouldn't have stuffed me with grain nor with hay, nor have polished my horns and fixed up my hooves and slept me on bedding and under the roofs. Who'd have curried his hide and fuzzed up his tail? Not none of them riders that drove the long trail. They'd have found mighty quick just how fur he could jump when they jerked a few doubles of rope of his rump. And to me it occurs he would not look so slick with his tail full of burrs and his hide full of ticks. I wonder just what that fat feller would think if he lived on short grass and went miles for a drink and wintered outdoors in the sleet and the snow. He wouldn't look much like he does at the show. I wouldn't be like him. No, not if I could. I can't figure out why they think he's so good. His short little legs and his white baby face. I could finish him off in a fight or a race. They've his whole family history and writing, and still, he ain't fit for nothing except him to kill. And all of them judges that think they're so wise, they look at that critter and give him first prize. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, gosh. <laughs> yeah, I remember my 4-H days. I, I never showed cattle. I showed horses some, but I never showed cattle. But uh, might have I might have won if I'd had a longhorn. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Oh <laughs> uh, gosh! So, what is what is the ranching life like today? Is it pretty much for you guys the same as it was in the old time? I know, Floyd, you were talking about using the, the horses and working the cattle the same way. 
but um uh and you mentioned earlier before the show started that that you ranched with i believe it was your daughter uh what's ranching like today in 2020 well the ranching is has changed a lot with technology and better feeding methods and things and but you know there's parts of it pieces of it that are still we call old style you know a lot of people work their cattle with four wheelers and pickups and have their pasture set up so they can do that out here we live in rough canyon country and about the only way you can work your cattle or check them is a horseback and so that kind of dictates that we will keep parts of the old style because of the country that we live in. Right. And we love that part anyway. You know, a lot of people, they don't want the horses. Horses do take a lot of maintenance and feed and, and things. And so some people don't like that. We love the horses and, and that is just part of the culture that we live with. And, we love that lifestyle, and so we keep those parts. I'm sitting here looking at my grandfather's old saddle as I talk to you, and that wow. heritage is just real important to me. Wow, wow. And then yeah, there's I, other I, parts of the beef industry that's the same, and parts of it has changed. You know, the calving methods and and different uh, breeding methods with all the EPDs that they look at now. A lot of those EPDs were in the old-time rancher's head. You right. just look out there and think, yeah, I like that bull, and I like the calves he throws, and they're easy on my heifers, so I'm going to keep him or keep that bloodline, you know, and that kind of thing. And he he just kept those things. Now they have... Uh, formulas and stuff that you can calculate those EPDs and so there's you know new parts and and then there's the old part we're still providing good beef for a nation and a world so uh, that part you know is still good and still the same yeah yeah well I have for one I have not gone to Burger King and had the what is that the impossible beef or whatever they call it oh yeah, all the yeah. steak. Yeah. yeah, all the yeah. substitution. Yeah, mm. yeah I, I refuse to eat anything except steak and and uh, real hamburger and that kind of thing. So, yeah, I'm the same way. I I don't go to Burger King anymore. I used to, but I don't now. Yeah. But I also yeah. was real disappointed. I was in a grocery store, and just out of curiosity, I was in the over at the meat counter looking to see what they had to offer. And they were offering this vegetable ground meat. And that's what they called it. They called it ground meat. And I Mm -hmm. thought, well, how can they call that ground meat? There's no meat in it. Yeah. Yeah. But they did. That's crazy. You know, so, yeah. Do you you sense, um, Floyd, that the introduction of, this type of product is is really going to take hold and have a some kind of a you know a big impact on the beef industry i don't sense that i think there is a niche there but you know i think people are just smarter than that and one of the most nutrient dense foods that we have is meat red meat mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
And I believe people know that, and they want good, honest uh, nutrient for their families, and that's what they're going to seek out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm not I'm not one for almond milk either. How do you how do you call it milk when it's not from a cow? <laughs> you know. Yeah. Boggles my mind. Uh, Boggles my mind. But but I'll tell you, if you want a comical thing to think about, just think about all those dairies and all their hands out there milking those little almond nuts. <laughs> <laughs> It's, it's got to be a poem. Sounds like a poem. Intensive yeah. deal. Yeah. 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 yeah that may like become a poem. poem. That's pretty good. I think yeah, so. that's pretty good. Oh gosh. Well, let's listen to another poem, and this is one called "Where the Sagebrush Billows Roll," and uh, we're going to come back and talk more with Floyd and with Valerie in just a moment when we return on the Campfire Cafe. My mind turns back on the beaten track to the days of the long ago, back to a land where the mountains stand with their glistening caps of snow. Though far away from that land today, I'm there in my heart and soul, in the grand old west that I love the best, where the sagebrush billows roll. Again I seem in a misty dream to be where the morning sun shines bright and fair on the gray buttes there as the shadows leap and run o'er the mesas wide to the farther side like a racer to his goal in the grand old west that I love the best where the sagebrush billows roll. And the blossoms nod from the prairie sod and the note of the lark rings clear and I catch a gleam of a winding stream that ripples upon the ear, and it sings a song as it speeds along over ripple, rock, and shoal, a song of the west that I love the best, where the sagebrush billows roll. I lift my eyes where the sand dunes rise and the desert lizard crawls, and I gaze afar where the canyons are with their rough-hewn granite walls. Where the skies are blue and the clouds drift through in a hazy and filmy scroll. In the golden west that I love the best, where the sagebrush billows roll. And the lure is strong as the siren song that rings in my ears today. And it beckons me where the winds blow free or the sagebrush seas of gray. And I'll go back to that rough log shack where I've lived in my heart and soul. Back to the west that I love the best, where the sagebrush billows roll. Floyd Beard, where the sagebrush billows roll from his CD, Short Grass Country. Um, uh, Floyd, this, this one, I think of the things Gary picked for today, this is the only one that was not an original. Um, you do classics as well as your own originals. How did you choose what went on this CD? Well, I used quite a bit of input from Valerie. She's really got some good insights on that. But we both really like E.A. Brennan's stool in his poetry, and that's a Brennan stool poem. And uh, he he just has a really nice flow meter to his poetry and the wording he has great word choice and it's something i can relate to Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
Because you can see it in your mind's, you can probably yeah. see it in your mind's eye. Yeah. yeah. When you, um, you mentioned when you were um, first doing poetry, you know, you'd, you'd come in and you'd sit down and you'd just write what you saw. How do you keep track of your thoughts today? How do you, how do you, uh, how do you do that? I have notes everywhere, Bobby. <laughs> I, <laughs> I drive my wife crazy at times. I'm she's real sequential and I'm real random, and I've got <laughs> notes on every little piece of paper. I was looking through one of my journals this morning, and I've got a really nice poem written on the back of a napkin that struck me when I was out in Elko. And sitting there at the Stockman's, and I wrote it on a napkin. It's a pretty nice poem. I'm going to have to dress <laughs> it up a little bit and start using it. So, Do you ever... Uh, and then I use my smartphone a lot. I have okay. hundreds of starts in my notes on my phone. Okay. Okay. And um, so all of those little bits of paper that are all over, do you have any kind of an organization system, or does Valerie just kind of pick them up and put them on your desk? Or <laughs> Every once in a while, Valerie picks them up and yeah, you know, once in a while, <laughs> Valerie picks them up and tries to sort through them, and she's organized me some really nice notebooks in the past, and I have them here on the, the shelf, and they're stuffed full of little bits of paper and loose leaf paper falling out of them. I'm not very good. At, my filing system is the pile method. <laughs> I pile it here and I pile it there, but I know what's in the piles. Uh-huh. Yeah. Kind of now, picture, uh, I'm real uh, visual uh, and I picture those in my mind. So I I'm I going to, to I'll put on my I'll put on my historian hat for a moment and get on a soapbox that I love to do every now and again and and remind um we, both of you that what you write is also history and it's family history, it's western history, it's it's your personal history and um Archiving it is really, really important so it doesn't get lost for future generations. <laughs> and Valerie works hard at that. She's my executive director of Floyd E. Beard Entertainment. I see that. <laughs> She's got a, a huge salary that goes with it. Oh, now you were you were recently a subject of a wonderful article that Jennifer Dennison did um, in Western Horseman magazine, and you mentioned the saddle. And there's a great photograph, so I can now picture exactly where you are today when we're chatting, because there's a wonderful picture of your um, study space, your your workspace or library mm -hmm. or man cave or whatever you want to call it, with that saddle <laughs> right up. Kind of framing you. What's the what's that little bit of history about that saddle? My grandfather was out in the uh, northern part of Oklahoma when he was a, a young man, and he went to the store, the hardware store there around Buffalo and Guthrie, Oklahoma, and he bought the best saddle that they had, and then he spent the next three summers taking care of cattle out on wheat pasture to pay for that saddle. 
and then he rode that saddle as they moved west out to northeastern New Mexico. My great-grandfather sent for the the young kids and the ladies on the train, got them out to Dawson, New Mexico, and then went up to Dawson and picked them up, took them down to the ranch there around Mills. And my grandfather and his two younger brothers brought out the wagons, the teams, and a lot of the equipment. And my grandfather was 14 years old at that time. And so when he got to Clayton, New Mexico, after that, there weren't any roads at that time. This is in the early 1900s, 1910 or so. And uh, he, my great-grandfather said, if you go too far north, you'll see this. If you go too far south, you'll start seeing this. Oh. And put your eyes on this to the west and ride straight toward there, and you'll be fine. And so oh, wow. at 14 years old with his younger brothers, they brought the teams and the wagons out and across the open prairies in northern New Mexico, and he was riding that saddle. Wow. 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 Wow, that's a great and that's great family history. Um, yes. In your and part own of that's lifetime, in that cowboy honor. Yeah, in in your um, in your own as a horseman, how, how like do you have a number of saddles, or do you have one saddle? What what do you look? Tell us about that. The main saddle I have, my wife bought for me, just shortly after we were married, and. Uh, we were living over there in the western slope, and I was cowboying for a, a ranch over there. And we stored a tricycle for the neighbor's little girl under our Christmas tree. It was a big old box, but, you know, it had to be fair size to get a tricycle in. Right. I thought, man, that's a heavy old tricycle. But come Christmas morning, Valerie says, you need to open up that box. That's actually your present. And I said, no, that's that little girl's tricycle. I'm not opening her present. And she had to talk pretty strong to get me to open that box. And when I opened it up, there was a Keystone saddle in there. They bought out Heiser. And I've ridden that saddle our entire married life, 40-some years now. Wow. And it's my favorite. I've got a couple others that I really like, but that's my favorite saddle. And I have it in the the uh, craft room right now. It's on a saddle stand my son built for me so that I can practice getting on the horse. Uh-huh. And it's a saddle stand that won't turn over, and I can actually just step on it like it's a horse. Well, that's so great. I practice getting in the saddle in the craft room with it. But we have several other saddles. And uh, I don't know, you just kind of collect tack and things as the years go mm-hmm. by. Yeah, yeah. Um, Valerie, I think uh, Gary has uh, queued up another one of your uh, poems, No Better Life. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that? Well, that that's the first poem I wrote. And um, after I had it written, I was pretty proud of it, so... I decided I would enter the 
the poetry contest at the International Western Music Association Convention, and they had a novice division for people who'd who'd never really earned money doing poetry. So I entered it, and uh, oh golly, the day came and and I was there thinking, whatever made me think this was a good idea to do a contest. <laughs> but I gathered myself up and and got up there and and performed my poem and I won the novice division so wow. I was pretty excited anyway and and I'm this year you're one of the one. you were one of the top 5 nominees for Fe- female poet of the year I was what an honor that was oh my goodness <laughs> what did you what so did excited. you feel or think when you when you uh received the email from Marcia Short letting you know well, I I was really giddy. <laughs> I was just kind of jumping up and down like, "Oh my goodness. Oh, goodness. you know, who would have ever thought that you know miracles happen?" Yeah. Oh, gosh. <laughs> well, and 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 good friends. I think all of the five of you are also just really great friends that were in that category. Yeah. Or at yeah. least at oh, least you, it appears that you all are when we get to see you all together you know yes. so yeah you know what yeah. an honor to be thought of in the same group as as all of those women yeah yeah very exciting all right gary are you ready to go ready to go no better life no better it's Valerie beard on the campfire the Cafe. old faucet drips as slowly she sips her coffee and morning's dull glow storms rage in the battle she's home with the cattle the temperature reads five below the wind was a blowin', it was still snowin'. She stepped out to do morning chores. Snow's a driftin' with icy snake siftin', a solid sheen sealed the barn doors. Wet flakes stung her face. She steadied her pace, her scarf danced an icy staccato. Wires thrummed out a wail, trees bent to the gale. Barn eaves moaned a mournful vibrato. Inside, it was still. She forked them their fill. They nickered from stalls safe and warm. She calmed down their fears, scratched soft neck and ears, then plunged right back into the storm. The truck started rough, but it was enough. She had loaded the bales night before, then drove from the haystack with two dogs in the back and one settled down on the floor. Adrift to the knee, she broke the gate free, plowed into the sheltered corral. With no cows in there yet, a feller could bet that old horn rip would soon be her pal. Was it worth a chance to play the gate dance just in case the old Jessies came in? She rolled bales to the ground, glanced round to the sound of old horn just sporting a grin. Horn sallied right up and started to sup on a bale that she had jerked to the ground. Ignoring that cow, the wife furrowed her brow, spread hay with a vigor newfound. Confronting the cow, she knew that somehow she'd wrestle that bale on again. With a wave and a yell, old Horn could just tell it was time to move on in the pen. Now with the cow gone, she tossed the bale on. The dogs hunkered down by the spare. She crawled back in the truck, spun out through the muck, back into the rime-frosted air. Her cowboy's away, thoughts with her today. He worries for her with the chores. They warned of the squall it arrived at nightfall. He wished she could just stay indoors. Back home in the gale, she knows without fail the ice on the tank will be frozen. 
a look of the axe and several hard waxen. She thinks of the life that they've chosen. Shards flew here and there, spray froze in the air. Ice chunks were soon scattered about. Cows filtered in slow, and they all seemed to know that she be there for them, there's no doubt. Cows walked to their hay, a bovine buffet. She's glad they'd come in from the range. Now two years in a drought, but they'd never sell out, and she knew others might think it strange. Stood watching them eat. The wild wind beat at her clothes, caked and frozen with snow. Then, after a while, walked off with a smile, thought no better life she could know. That's great. That is a great That's point. <clears throat> yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. So do you often stand and watch your livestock eat? I know I love to watch my horses. I love to listen <laughs> to my horses eat. It's one of the oh. most peaceful oh, yeah. sounds. Yeah. It is. One of the most you know, just to, to, you know, around here we, we spread cake for the cows and um, out on the feeding grounds and, and they just kind of settle down and, you know, they're nudging each other aside and, and going back and forth, and and it's your chance to to look them over and and to see how things are really going. You know, is is number forty seven getting close to calving, or you know, what do you think? How about number ninety five? Has she calved yet? Do you think she's got her calf hidden out? You know, all uh. these kinds of things go through your mind and, and conversation as as they're standing there eating and you're mm-hmm. watching. That's cool. Mm-hmm. So do you and Floyd spend a lot of time just together standing and saying what an amazing life that we have had and are having? Yes, we do. We we are so blessed, you know, especially um, when we had retired and, and we decided that if we were ever going to move, it was going to have to be then while we still had the ability to get it done. And, uh-huh. and we found this place down in southeastern Colorado out in the canyons. And, uh, you know, it was it was just such a, a given thing. You know, we, we are so blessed to get this place because it's, it's our inspiration. It's our respite. It's the special place that we can be with our our cattle are all of our animals and then we're kind of close to our kids too. So it's, it's the perfect time and, and what a blessing and, and this life has been. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I know that for our audience that's listening around the world, <clears throat> they certainly enjoy listening about the Western lifestyle and about the, the life that people spend on the range with their, with their cattle and with their horses. And, um, uh, it's just, uh, you know, it makes me think about the times that uh, that I've been able to spend out with mine, and just just in the quiet, you know, it's the quiet of the evening or the early morning, and it's uh, it's just a special time, such a special time. I'm sure you get quite a bit of inspiration to write at those times as well. Yes, yes, I, we you do. know, the early morning is is kind of a special time for us we you know we have our special devotion time and then just sit and and look we call it looking and drinking coffee time (laughs) 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 but you know that that's what you do i like that Mm -hmm. i like 
like that. Looking and drinking yeah, coffee I like that. time. Looking yeah. and drinking yeah. coffee time. Yeah. So Floyd, some of some of the cowboy poets have peculiar personalities that may come across in their poems. And uh, this next poem is one that's kind of interesting. One size fits all. <laughs> tell, tell us about this one. You know, poem. <laughs> well, actually, uh, I wrote that one. We had a friend over. She was practicing on the piano for some wedding music. And while they were playing that poem came to me and I enjoy a good laugh and I think you ought to have a good sense of humor. And so that's where this one comes from. And as I tell everybody, it has nothing else to do with my wife other than we did go shopping. <laughs> Just to do that disclaimer, Valerie, right? <laughs> yes, that, that's an important part of it. Oh, well, this is a great poem. Yeah. It's a fun poem. It is a fun poem. So it let's take fun. a listen. Yeah. yeah, let's take a listen to One Size Fits All. It's from the CD Short Grass Country. We'll be back in just a moment. Honey, there's a dance over in town, I told my wife as I come in from checking heifers one eve. If we had a quick supper, say sandwiches and iced tea, we could get in our dancing duds and be ready to leave. My wife warmed into the idea of dancing real quick, and then she seemed to stop right there in mid-stride. She says, there'll be other folks there, old classmates, friends, neighbors. I must do my hair, my face, and something to trim my backside. She flew into a full makeover fury. There was hair washing and rollers and body creams of cucumber. Me? I got my Wranglers, my good shirt, my wild rag. She laid out her wardrobe. It was a real body trimming number. First came this here brass ear, and it was all full of padding and wire, and was designed to make a blouse stand out real swell. Next came this girdle, a waist nipper capri with full tummy support, and it was all stuffed in this little plastic egg about the size of a pecan shell. Well, I held up that there girdle, and I gave her a look, and I says, I don't think this thing will fit much more than a doll. Boy, I shut up quick. She shot me that, you better watch it, buster look. And then she smiled and said, it'll stretch. One size will fit all. Well, she went at getting dressed and I went in the other room, but I'm thinking, yeah, one size might fit all with some grease. But I've learned to keep quiet, so I was watching the weather when I heard a thump and a holler. Honey, can you come help me, please? Well, it seems that their waist nipper got locked around the knees, and then she lost her balance and ended up on the rug. Boy, that look in her eye let me know not to ask any questions. So I just stood her back up and says, Here, let's both give her a tug. She put a hand on my shoulder, and I latched onto the sides while she grabbed the back and tugged with her all. I pulled, and she tugged and jumped and pushed. It was like putting a pillar in a pillar slip that was several sizes too small. But it happened, and there she was, all nipped and tucked. Next came her britches, a pair of new wranglers, blue and tight. Well, we repeated the routine, and we got her poured in. We sure tested the fabric, the zippers, and the seams that night. 
And then she leaned against me for her boots, which I pulled on myself, because she couldn't bend over in that package and get any air. But she looked mighty fine, all nipped and controlled. As we went out the door, I knew we made quite a pair. Now, getting in my truck was a chore with a wife that don't bend. But she pulled and I pushed and we just kind of leaned her across the seat. She said, you know, getting out once we get there will be a lot easier because I can just slide out if you'll swing around my feet. The dance was in full swing as we pulled up to the door and I swung her feet round just as neat as could be. But it was horror, not joy, that was froze on her face. As hoarsely she whispered, honey, I think I drank too much tea. <laughs> oh, somebody's watching me get ready. I don't know. Put it in a poem. <laughs> that was one size fits all. Oh, that's great. You know, one of the great little stories I have to go along with that, I've been fortunate to present and perform at a big share of the cowboy poetry gatherings across the western United States and clear up into Canada. One of the favorite memories I have is doing the Red Hat Society in the little bitty town of Cheyenne Wells, Colorado. Oh, gosh. And we're sitting there. These these ladies are in front of me, and they're sitting here on this this old uh, sofa and cup their hands around their ears trying to hear me, and they're... <laughs> Oh, it, they're 80 if they're a day. And I started that poem, and one of them just elbows the other one right in the ribs and hollers right in her ear and says, This is it, Mabel. This is it. This is the one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. Uh, yes. That's great. Yeah. Well, yeah. So we just heard One Size Fits All from uh, Floyd CD, Short Grass Country. Um, hey, why don't you guys, uh, would you please let our listeners know all the different places they can find you, follow you, and so forth? Well, we're going to be on a, a self-created tour later this spring. We're going to start out in Utah and go up to Idaho and into Wyoming and back down into Colorado, and we don't have that one all put together yet, but we will be at a number of the gatherings. We were at the Colorado gathering yes. in Golden. Yeah, Yeah. we'll be at uh, the Grand Encampment Cowboy Gathering in Encampment, Wyoming, in maybe Valerie can in help July. me with some of the date yeah. in July. Yeah, in in August, we'll be at the Arizona Cowboy Poetry Gathering in Prescott, Arizona. Later on in August, we'll be at the Cimarron Cowboy Music and Poetry Gathering. And then in early November, we'll be at the Western Slope Cowboy Go- Gathering over in Grand Junction, Colorado. Those are for sure that we know of right now, and, and it's starting to fill in. So. Well, oh, that's Jim, great. Jim and I have reservations for Cimarron, so we'll be excited oh, to see you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We don't want to miss that one this year. Yeah, yeah. And um, how about uh, Facebook, uh, website? You want to give some addresses how people can find you there? We are on Facebook. Uh, 
but we also have, and Valerie and I share my website, and it's easy to find, just floydbeardcowboy.com. And, and on of course there, you can on... order my CDs and stuff mm-hmm. off of that website. Yep. And you're on uh, cowboypoetry.com. Yes. Yeah. Cowboypoetry.com. Right. And Facebook, you're there under each of your... Yeah, and Facebook, you each have your own page, it seems like. Yes. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, a lot of places to find you, and everyone is going to want this CD. It's a great one. Uh, It's an (laughs) award-winning CD, as well as the other CDs that are great out there. And uh, you guys have been a lot of fun. We want to invite you guys to come back and visit with us again. Oh, we'd love to do that. That would be a delight. (laughs) We'd love to have you. Right now, we're going to close out this segment of the show with a great poem by Floyd. It's one called Evening Trail. And uh, we've been talking with Floyd and Valerie Beer today on the Campfire Cafe. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thank you. The day's work is over. The chores have been done. It's time to relax. Night's coming is nigh. He saddles his pony, and to the rimrock they ride to watch God paint his glory all across the big sky. The trail is so quiet, the air is so sweet, the rabbits and birds, they join in the ride. The cowboy takes in the countryside grand, and God paints the sky for them far and wide. Riding down the trails and canyons of life, the day's sun sinking low in the west, His pony needs no reining as onward they ride. In peace and with God's glory they're blessed. As he stood near the canyon, so quiet and still, the cowboy would share this moment at hand with loved ones and others in God's world of friends that they might see his glory so grand. As darkness surrounds them, the night sounds unfold, singing praises to the master above, The sermon's over, and it's time to ride home, led by the Savior and filled with his love. Riding down the trails and canyons of life, the day's sun sinking low in the west. His pony needs no reining as onward they ride. In peace and with God's glory, they're blessed. Well, it's time now for Saddle Up America on the Equestrian Legacy Radio Network. When we come back, we'll be talking with our good friend, Mr. Larry McMillan of Southeast Pack Trip on Saddle Up America. We were up before the sunrise, loaded up the horses, we were gone. I crossed the Vita Pass through that sweet San Luis Valley, rode along. That's one creek up ahead, 10,000 feet of mountain, we'll be there by noon. We're hauling Colorado horses down the winter need the Arizona moon. Go straight on to Durango. Four corners that old Ford was making ground. We stretched the horses' legs at Tito's house 
watch the desert sun go down. Yeah, camp out in the nations, and we listen to an Aaron sister's tune. Yeah, howling Colorado horses down the winter neat the Arizona moon. I called the boss in Wickenburg just to let him know when we'd be rolling in. Fed the horses, fed ourselves, picked some guitar while the firelight grew dim. Then we passed the bottle round, watched the night time turn the morning way too soon. We're hauling Colorado horses, just a winter neat the Arizona. Hauled a thousand dudes into the hills They'd take us to the river Where the voice of Mother Nature won't be still Well, I ain't no big time banker But I know exactly what I should be doing That's hauling Colorado horses Down the winter beneath the Arizona moon that's hauling Colorado horses down to where beneath the Arizona moon. Mr. Dan McCorson, Colorado horses to kick things off on Saddle Up America today on the Equestrian Legacy Radio Network. And we're going to travel back up to East Tennessee to one of my favorite parts of the country to ride, and that is the Big South Fork. And we're going to be talking with our good friend, Mr. Larry McMillan, who is the owner of Southeast Pack Trip. Larry, how are you doing? I'm great, Gary. How are you? Doing pretty good, my friend. Doing pretty good. We've got Bobby Bell on the line with us, and uh, one day we're going to get her back on a horse somewhere. Hello, Bobby, and you. I want you to hold him to that statement right there. <laughs> I want hey you there, to Larry. make that a how, promise. How are you? How are you? I'm doing Thanks great. so much for I'm... being with us today. <laughs> well, thank, thank you all. Oh, gosh. Well, for folks around the world that are listening in, and um, perhaps they've never heard Larry. He's been on the show several times. But, uh, Larry, tell us a little bit about the Big South Fork itself as we get started. Well, Big South Fork is located right in the center the heart of the eastern half of the United States. Uh, we're about 10 to 12 hours from two-thirds of the population of the United States. And there's a lot of people come here uh, from Florida to get away from the hot summers, and a lot of people come from Michigan to get away from the cold winter. So uh, it's a 125,000-acre national park. It's in that Big South Fork National River and Recreation Area. Uh, there's hunting allowed here in the park, which is a little bit different than most national parks. And uh, there's over 300 miles of trails here. 150 of those are inaccessible by vehicle. Uh, so you and we don't have a lot of visitors. We had less than 750,000 last year, uh, and not all of those are horseback riders. So the Big South Fork right. has a, a 450 miles of hiking trails, bike trails. There's a whole lot to do here, but my passion is the horse trails, of course. Yeah, yeah. Uh, 
So how did how did you find? I know you're from Kentucky originally. How did you find the Big South Fork? Well, we were. I was uh, went to school at Western Kentucky University. I'm from Franklin, Kentucky, and uh, there were some guys there, uh, Scott uh, Crocker and a guy named Charles Cecil Martin. Uh, they brought me over here on a canoe trip, and the park the park had been formed a year prior to that was in '75. And uh, we canoed the river for several years and then got away from canoeing the rivers. We had we had horses all these years growing up. All I've always had a horse. And right. we came over here hiking into a place called Cherry Creek Lodge, which is the hostel, which is a great attraction here. In fact, we're going in there this weekend with a group of us, just friends, to spend a night and hopefully get snowed in. But <laughs> came in there in 81, and, and there was a gentleman with us that he worked for the Army Corps Engineers, and he had a map of all these proposed horse trails and these camps. So the government had a plan when they came in here, but it took them several years to get everything in place. So then it was, then it was, I went back and told my brother and a friend of mine, uh, uh, Philip Brown, uh, we, we used to ride together at Land Between the Lakes, Mammoth Cave in Kentucky, that kind of thing. And I told him about this place, and I kept telling him in all those years. And I think it was, Johnny and I talked this morning, I think it was in the midsummer of uh, 1986, there was an article that came in in the Louisville Courier-Journal newspaper, which is the leading paper in Kentucky at that time, and it was called the Yellowstone of the East, Big South Fork. And Johnny called me, and he said, Larry, that place you've been talking about all these years, we've got to go. So we came that fall, and gosh, fell in love with the place. uh, That was it. It's just that that's all it took and i've told this before before we left on that trip i remember we rode out of bandy creek which at that time that was the only campground available johnny and i and philip brown we got lost and we ended up riding down the highway and we had no idea what we had stepped into but we were planning our trip on the next time to come back before we even left that time and it's been that way ever since and and we finally started the business in the late 80s Uh, in fact we started our 31st year being in business in october and, well, uh, congratulations! It, it, it's been a great ride. It's been a great ride. Yeah. Well, Bobby, the Big South Fork is is pretty amazing. Uh, the the uh, the fauna and the flora that is there. Did I say that right? The fauna and the flora. You just, uh, yeah. Is is so <laughs> unique and and unusual. It's absolutely gorgeous and breathtaking. Doesn't make any difference what season that you're up there. But uh, I remember riding up there one time, Larry, and I'm thinking, you know, I can't be in Tennessee. This must be out west somewhere. This is this is just well, absolutely beautiful. You hit the nail on the head right there. I, I've said this before. When we found this place, we we never thought, I never ever thought we'd be able to haul our horses all the way out west, you know, to ride in that country. Uh, since then, we've been on 10 or 11 elk hunts with our own horses only because of this business. And we felt like we were out west without going out west. It was, like yeah. I say, it's been labeled the Yellowstone of the East over all these years off and on. You see that in print still. Uh, but it's just a great place. And not there's a lot of not a, or not a lot of people, excuse me, that know the Big South Fork is here because we are kind of off the beaten path. You know, we're 50 miles from three interstates and 90 from another inter, uh, I-65. And we're right here. The phones won't work. Uh, so it, it, it needs to be a destination for people. I, I can only recommend this. If you're a trail rider and you haven't ridden in Big South Fork, especially if you live east of the Mississippi River, you're missing out on an opportunity that has been here a long, long time, but uh, it belongs to all of us. And it, 
Uh, you know, I've got two loves now. I've, I got married here a few months ago, and I love Big South Fork, and I love my new wife. And so I've got two loves. <laughs> One is Big South Fork. It's a great place. <laughs> Uh, gosh. Yeah, well, you, you want have, you got some points there, my friend. Well, it's it's, uh, it's been a great. Po- well, Big South Fork has been good for me. Uh, uh, we're we're teaming up with the, the spirit of the horse out of Kentucky this year to help to give back to first responders and the veterans of the United States. And uh, it's it's time that we gave. I want I I wish everybody could come see Big South Fork. And all the seasons that we have, because they're all different, like you said, and uh, we can only uh, invite you to come see us. And uh, Southeast Pack Trips, the name of the business, and we do custom horseback rides here at Big South Fork. So we're going to get into that this year. We're going to do some different type camping. We're going to make available a camp that we're going to get to by vehicle for these uh, first responders. That way we can take more people on these trips and make it a little more comfortable. But some new things coming up this year for us. Sounds good. Might even see you in uh, at your Circle E event in June. Is that yeah. right, June? Yeah, hope so. I hope so. Look, looking forward to it. But but let's go ahead and and talk just a little bit about what Southeast Pack Trips is. Well, we are. This is not, not a, a horse campground. This no, is not we're a not a no, no. We out. We're an outfitter uh, that offers custom horseback rides anywhere from one hour up to seven days, six nights in length. We do the two-hour, three-hour, four-hour, the all-day, and then the overnight uh, trips by pack mule. Well, we're one of the only outfitters east of the Mississippi River that offers those type trips. And, and the only reason we can offer those is because we do have the Big South Fork, and it, it's very rider-friendly. It's not rugged. Um, there's some trails that are they're close to that, but not a lot. But we we do things different here. You, uh, It became a point several years ago that, you know, I'd, I'd managed, decided all the trips that we'd ever taken, and I woke up one day. I said, "Man, let's just let these people decide what they want to do." You know? Yeah. Uh, so that's what it turned into. It turned into a very customized ride with us. You become part of the family here at Southeast Pack Trip. It's just, it's not a normal rental stable. Like I've got some trips coming up here this year with camping uh, trips for families. One is, is a celebration of life for a lady that's 74, I think. She can't ride a horse, but it's a family thing. And, you know, when you come with Southeast Pack Trips on these rides and you bring your group, we don't, we try not to mix you in with other groups. We try, it's, it's your, it's your time. Uh, you're not just paying me for a horseback ride. You're paying me for an experience. And uh, that's what we can offer here. And I don't think there's a lot of stables. I've been to several riding stables over the years. Uh, nobody goes out of their way to, to customize your trips like we do. Uh, even on a day ride for your lunches and things. And on the camping trips, you get to pick the menus, whether it's blackened salmon or rib, uh, beef ribs, pork ribs, a, rib, uh, a ribeye steak or uh, blackened salmon. You you get to pick where we go, the, the length of the trips, uh you tell me what you want to do, and we try to serve it on a plate. Basically, it's uh, Bobby. Did and, you hear that? Black and sound. Oh yeah. Oh yes. Oh yes. Of ah. course, I've been spending, as I always do, a lot of time on the website. So you know, I've been reading about the overnights and the food and the and the wonderful picture of the you know marshmallows over the campfire. All, all of that is what gets me going. <laughs> well, yeah. it's the experience that a lot. There's very few people that. Uh, have ever taken a pack trip and and 
like I say, we're the one of the only outfitters east of the Mississippi River. You have to go out west. Now, out west, you can readily go. But I've got people that call me that don't want to uh, fly all the way out to Montana or Wyoming or something, sure. and they can drive to see us. And we've got accommodations in the way of some tents and teepees here on the property. And uh, there's some places not far from here. There are accommodations. Some of them are really, really nice. Some of them are very clean and handy. Uh, they're not as expensive as, as some other places here. Uh, or, or other places you go visit, but you, there's campgrounds around here. I recommend that people bring their own horses. There's several campgrounds. In fact, there's about 10 campgrounds located all throughout the area that you need to utilize to see the park. Uh, when we first started riding, there weren't any trailheads. There weren't any improved roads, and you you literally had to have a pack animal to to go out and see the park because there was lots of places you couldn't get to in a day and get back to where you needed to be. And that's mm-hmm. what happened to us. We got tired of getting lost, and we already had 12, 15 horses. So I went home and ordered a pack saddle, and, boy, we started taking things that we needed, and then we started taking lots of things we didn't need <laughs> to make it more comfortable. <laughs> and, you know, we do a, use a lot of the cast iron Dutch oven skillets, and uh, my wife makes fun of me. I've got about 30 uh, Dutch oven skillets and uh, oh, man. skillets and things. That, well, I've mm-hmm. got more than – I've got two 20-inchers and – I've got some aluminum Dutch ovens, and I don't know. We've got a, we can do a lot of cooking and a lot of stuff. I enjoy the campfire cook meals. Uh, we we do a lot of those, and a lot of people have never had that experience, and a lot mm-hmm. of people never will. But it's something, boy. It, it it'll change your thoughts about life. I, I guarantee it. Out there in Big South Fork, sitting there listening to the creek rolling down through there, and the, the coyotes and the and the owls and everything. Your phone won't work. You're on in your own little world. And, uh, you don't yeah. need that you're, phone. You, yeah, you wouldn't want you, that phone. Well, maybe to take pictures. <laughs> well, that's that's a, that it won't you work. You, you know, <laughs> you don't want it for anything else. Um, no. Now, because you do uh, work with groups and families, I'm sure there's often riders, some riders that are you know uh, very capable, and some that are not. Um, and if they don't have their own horses, you do provide horses. That's it sounds yes, like ma'am. It, you really the Tennessee Walker is really um what your horses are, right? Yes, ma'am. All right? of our horses are gated. Uh that we changed we had quarter horses all through the years up until the early nineties. And that's when I rode my first walking horse and Gary, he knows what I'm talking about. If you mm-hmm. if you've never ridden a good, smooth Tennessee Walker, you've never ridden a good You've never been on a good trail ride. I've been on some great trail rides of quarter courses over the years, but boy, I'm gonna tell you what. There's just nothing, and you you, you can't take pictures of it. You can't tell anybody, but you've got to experience it. And that's another thing I think is unique about Southeast Pack Trips. We do have only gated horses, except for the mules that we have, and they call those gated mules. But uh, we we we. We cherish that idea. We do have the gated horse, and there's a lot of people that have never ridden the gated horse, and now over the years since we've been in business for so long, people know now that what's what we have. I've got people coming in that never have ridden the gated horse, but they come to us because we do have that breed of horse. And uh, so we specialize in people that don't have their horses, even if they're riders. A lot of people I recommend, if you're a long way from here, come ride with us the first time and just check the area out and see what we've got. And then if you think your horses are up to it, and uh, depending on what you want to do, what type of riding you have, bring your horse next time. I'll be glad yeah. to sit down with a map with you and help you through all that or anything. But, yeah, the Tennessee walkers are, are a great animal. They're a very versatile animal. 
ride one today and you'll own one tomorrow is the saying that we've had for years, and that's very that's, true. That's, that's how but, it rolls, uh, man. You can't. Yeah, but you've got, you've got people that you have people that will will travel in from all parts of the country. That uh, it's really just too far for them to take off a week and and bring their horse. I mean, you can't come right. from California and bring your horse and do it all in a week's time. That's that's exactly right. It's logistics, and uh, that's that's what's special about us. If you uh, are coming, thinking about coming to Big South Fork to ride, like I say, it has to be a destination because there's no. There's no Ferris wheel next door. There's no go-kart tracks. There's no helicopter rides. There's no commercialization right here. You come here to either hike, ride a horse, canoe the river, or bicycle. That's it. Yeah. Hike, ride, bike, or, or paddle. or I forgot the what the four terms are here. But the Big South Fork uh, is such a long way from a lot of people that, yeah. It, I, and you won't – it's hard to tell somebody you're not going to be disappointed when you ride one of our horses. I don't know what kind of horse you've had, but we've got about eight or ten horses that uh, they've got a real good gait on them. And you were talking about the people that don't ride. We had a group of, well, it was 15 Boy Scouts from Brentwood, Tennessee, just this last Saturday. And the experience level through those kids, out of the 15 riders, and this was two adults, they didn't have a, a year's worth of experience between the, the 15 of them. So, but wow. we pulled it off with, without a glitch, and they had a large time, and we even opened them up a couple of times. So our horses, I God bless us with those, and we couldn't be doing any of this without God. He, he's taken care of me over the years just like he did Saturday with all these kids that come in here that don't know a thing about a horse and we help them with a horsemanship merit badge and give them some pointers. And I don't know, he's with us every time we go out of here. But to answer your question about accommodating people that don't have a lot of experience, we can do that. We, uh, we take a slower pace maybe. Then we don't do a lot of nose to tail unless we need to for safety. We've got three rules. You can't fall off. You have to have fun. You can't talk politics. So those are three, <laughs> those are three, three key, three key ingredients. Larry, say, say those again a little bit slower. I want to catch those for sure. What are the, what are the three rules? You can't fall off. You have to have fun. Have to and have you can't fun. talk politics. And you can't talk politics. No, not here here at Big South Fork on a horse ride. If I thought we could figure it out and everything, we would talk it the whole time. But we can't, so we're just going to enjoy Big South Fork and the horse you're on and following me around, I guess. Uh, I see that you offer offer rides uh, 365 days a year. So the park is accessible through all the seasons. There is no... um, you know, like some western parks are not. You know, they close. No, well, um, we, we, our, our weather permits us to ride every day of the year here. Now, I mean, there's days yeah. that you might not want to ride. I'm getting ready to go out and ride a, a crazy horse right now uh, that need, just needs riding, and that's what we usually do through the winter. We, we, our horses, we ride all the time. If you call mm-hmm. us, I guarantee you we're open. I mean, we'll we'll take you. I think that's one thing that's kept us in business all these years is being available year round. I mean, these horses eat every day. The the free parts riding them. It doesn't cost us a penny to ride them. You know, we've got, it's that shoeing and that feeding and that insurance and, and all that stuff. So we are open year round. Yeah. So even in snow conditions and such, or do you, do you get a lot of snow in the winter? Well, we hope for snow. 
We we huh? we wish we were hoping it'd snow this weekend. We don't get a lot here on the plateau. We are the okay. tail end of the Cumberland Plateau is what we call this area, and uh, we get snow about as quick as anybody except over in the Gatlinburg area. Now they get snow more rarely over there on the North Carolina border, but we get snow here before Nashville for sure, where where Gary's located. But right. when we do, there's there's people that watch the weather that's been riding with us for years and some not so many years, but they know we offer snow rides where a lot of places would be closed. All you got to do is call us and check the weather conditions. And when they get these roads cleared, which doesn't take a day, maybe day two, you roll right in here. I'll take you on the best snow ride. You had never even seen nothing like it. There's nothing <laughs> like a snow ride. And we, we're yearning for snow right now. We, we, we'll, we've got people, I guarantee you, we'll, we'll be doing snow rides if we have them. We ride for and We do full moon rides. Uh, We'll do anything. Oh. You anything on a horse that you think you hadn't done somewhere else, we'll let you do that here at Southeast Pack Trail. I promise. I'll tell you, it's it's great to ride with a full moon in the snow, and uh, uh, it's been years like it. been that way around here. But uh, all right, we're well, going to take you a know quick that we're break. Available for, yeah, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back and talk more with Larry. He's got some something special that's coming up in just uh, a, a few days now. You know, it's almost February. Almost February. We'll yeah, I know. The first month right of the year the is behind us. Yeah. 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 But anyway, we'll be back in just a minute. This is a great song from Mr. John Chandler. It's one called The Spanish Peaks. And when we return, we're going to be talking more mm-hmm. As the campfire burned to ashes And the moon rose in the sky I woke before the dawn's light A tear ran down my cheek I dreamed of home and family There beneath the Spanish peak On the trail from Santa Fe Where plains and mountains meet And the rivers cut through canyons And the air is fresh and sweet I carved my life in granite I let my roots run deep I found the only peace I've known There beneath the Spanish peaks. The wind blows hard and heavy, tears the hole right through my soul. And I long to take the road that leads back
those who look for love Those who look in mirrors Those who look above As I ride this Colorado train It's something else I see The peace found in the valley There beneath the Spanish peak The coyotes lonesome cry Echoes the sorrow in my soul And I long to take the road That leads back home On the trail from Santa Fe Where plains and mountains meet And the rivers cut through canyons And the air is fresh and sweet I carved my life in granite I let my roots run deep I found the only peace I've known There beneath the Spanish peak Yes, I found the only peace I've known There beneath the Spanish peak Mr. John Chandler, it is the Spanish Peaks, great song. We're talking today with Mr. Larry McMillan, the owner of Southeast Pack Trips in the Big South Fork of East Tennessee, one of the finest riding destinations really in the country, but certainly in the Southeast. And uh, Larry, you've always got so much going on up there. You've got a you've got a special thing coming up here in February. I think where somebody's coming in from Canada and doing some photography or something. Tell us about that. That's correct. There's a lady named Sherry Bedard. She trains dogs and horses for movies. And uh, uh, I met her through a friend of mine uh, that came over here, and she's been riding here. I don't know off and on for the last four years, I think. And she does documentaries on. Uh, different types of horses she came and she was here back in the fall and she did a little segment on uh you can find it on our website which is southeastpacktrips.com uh there's some foot you can youtube it uh whatever but she does these uh segments on the gated horses for a lot of people that hadn't been around gated horses so she's coming in here the 22nd of february be here for five days uh she's going to do a little documentary on the gated horse maybe big south fork and we're offering a 10% discount for anybody that comes and wants to ride with us through that time period. And she'll be giving a free video uh, for, to each, uh, to all riders during the week, at the end of the week. That'll be available at free of charge to you. So it's something that uh, she's she comes and rides with us because we have the gated horse. And uh, that's wow. why she comes back. And if you go to check in, a lot of the stables don't have the gated horse. And, and that's what we you know, so that's what we selected years ago, and that's the one reason she's coming here to do that video on that. So we welcome any and all comers to come to that. Just let us know. There's, like I say, accommodations just up the road. If you need those, uh, uh, like I say, we've got some wall tents up. We got a TP up. If you want to play Indian Cowboy that weekend or that week, or come up and ride with us. It's going to be a real fun ride. She's a good rider. We'll be trailering out to some different places. Uh, we'll trail over to Cherry Creek, ride down around the river and that kind of thing. But it'll be a special five days here that 
kind of start to kick off of the year. Maybe the weather will be good. Maybe it'll be snowing. You know, you can't ever tell. <laughs> <laughs> now, the snowing doesn't appeal to me, but I think we're supposed to be in the 60s here in uh, Nashville and probably pretty close to that up around the South Fork next week. But uh, well, we have more what? customers if it, if it was that way. But I, I do like the snow in the winter, but we'll see what happens. Well, it's it's fun to have some snow. But, Bobby, one of the nice things about Tennessee is our weather is never so extreme. You know, it, it's just never mm-hmm. so extreme. Because well, so like New Mexico, yeah. If you don't it's like a lot it today, like where we live now. Just, <laughs> well, if you don't like it today, just wait because it's yeah. going to uh-huh. change real soon. Yeah. It's just it's the only thing stays the same around here is weather changes all the time. You were talking a while ago about people that come from Florida uh, to escape the heat and people that come from Michigan to escape the cold. There are a lot of equestrian communities that have been built up around Jamestown and the Big South Fork. Uh, how, how has that affected things there as far as traffic and uh, number of people? And Well, now you have to understand we're in one of the remote rural parts of the United States, uh, the East Mississippi River anyway. And, you know, the people that have come here, from all over the United States, uh, that the, the most of them are horse lovers, and mm-hmm. it's like I've told people: we might not get along, we might not like each other, but we've got one thing in common: that's the horse, and the horse trails that we all ride on. And it's become a—I I think I could call people that are, don't even know me that you might say are not my friends, just like they could call me if they had a problem with any kind of a horse problem up here. They would, you would be unbelievable the outpouring of people that we be on board any time we have something like that. Either a horse gets uh, lost, the riders gets lost, people come out of the woodwork because we're all horse people. There's something special right. about horse people. There's just something special about them. And the people that have come here, uh, we don't have all the conveniences that they have in Nashville, but there's a whole lot more to offer here than Nashville has in a different way. And, uh, we can go to Nashville anytime, but I can stay here a lot too. This is the safest place in the world, right here, with all that's going on in the world. This is the safest right. place I've ever been. And uh, when people find this, you slow down when you get on the mountain. You, you, everything slows down, and that's what we all need. This world needs to slow down, and we, we're in such a situation in our lives that we can't. And you can definitely, when you get off the interstate to come here. Get ready to drive 45 behind some people that live here because they're in no hurry to leave here. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it, you, you, it's just a real safe haven and such a special place, especially for horseback riding. And Tennessee, you know how it is. It's one of the best places to move to because of a lot of things, the taxes and everything that's going on here. Uh, so a lot of people move here and retire where they couldn't retire in other places across the United States because of the taxes and the cost of living. That's not here. That's one thing that's great about Big South Fork and Fentress County and Jamestown, Tennessee. It's a it's a great place to be. Well, it is. It is. And uh, uh, as far as proximity to Nashville, you're what, about two and a half hours, three hours maybe from Nashville? Well, that depends on a good day of traffic. Uh, it might take you three days if there's two or three wrecks, but we're 150 miles from the Nashville airport. Uh, we're 85 miles from Knoxville. Uh, Chattanooga, at mileage, I'm going to say 160, 170. It's about three hours from us. Uh, so it's a Lexington, Louisville, three hours. 
uh, to get to us. Atlanta, about four and a half, five hours. Uh, we're not far from lots of places here in, in the eastern half of the states. And uh, just like I say, you you don't it just doesn't pop up everywhere. You, there's there's not a lot of uh, uh, advertising going on about Big South Fork because I've been in business longer than any business up there that's been associated with the national park since it was originated in 74 and uh it's it's a i don't it was all about timing for me it, uh, it was yeah. a time in my life that, that you know when big south fork was just opening up uh but the, the, the crowds have still not found us you're talking about the communities there's several communities that have, have started here only because of the equestrian opportunities here and it's it's mainly the trail riding there's no covered arenas uh, they do have some things out of a place called East Fork Stables. That they do have some events. It's all outside. They do have lights at, as of the last couple of years. But it's mainly a trail rider's heaven. And uh, right. I kid people. I tell people, big, God made Big South Fork for me. The rest of you just get to visit. You know? <laughs> <laughs> uh, gosh. Well, it's a great place to visit, and it is a great place to ride. Southeast Pack Trips is a great place to come and uh, uh, ride one of their horses, and Bobby, you can get some Dutch oven cooking apple cobbler. I bet you. I guarantee uh, it's my mother's recipe. It's a cup, a cup, a cup, and two cups at 350 degrees in a Dutch oven for about 35 minutes. You got to have that stick of butter in there too, you know. Yeah, yeah. There's nothing like there's nothing like coffee over the campfire cooking we do we do the percolated coffee at times sometimes we use the packets but yeah i can take you out there and present you a meal on, on a campfire with a dutch oven and iron skillets and stuff we we don't we do the uh, flat iron steaks now we don't use the, the regular fire i do everything in dutch ovens he, even here in the house we uh, but there's something about eating food off of a cast iron skillet in a dutch oven yep. in the middle yep. of the woods with a horse standing there on a picket line looking at you and it's just, it, it, I can't even, I feel like a kid. I think that's the reason I'm still doing it. I don't want to grow up. you got to grow up you got to be an adult, you know. So it keeps me young, and I'll soon be 65. And I, I think if I'd have done anything else, I farmed all my life, and I think if I'd have kept doing that, I'd have, I don't think I'd have been in as good a health as I'm in. I may be sick and die tomorrow. But I feel good, and I think riding the horses is what's kept me doing that. So you might have said, it's kept me alive all these years, and I hope to be riding 10 years from now. I might be in a bicycle or a car or something, but uh, <laughs> I may not be a horse. But I hope it's But it's a horse. great place. Well, yeah, I, I hope, hope so, too. But, uh, God might be in control of that, but uh, I recommend everybody come see us. And if you have your own horse, I'd be glad to help you. Like I ran into a lady today, moved here from Pennsylvania, doesn't know anything about it. I told her to bring her National Park uh, map they have over here. Bring it over, and I'll help you out in any way I can to have a good trip to Big South Fork. So the people that have their own horse, don't hesitate to call Southeast Pack Trips, and I'll give you any kind of help or suggestions on anything I can. I'd be glad to help you. That is pretty cool. Well, give us your website. How can people find you? Uh, well, southeastpacktrips.com. Uh, we've Southeast got a couple Pack of videos on there. Southeastpacktrips.com, T-R-I-P-S. Okay. And we've, we've got a Facebook page. You can go to Larry McMillan. I do more posting off my personal page, and I do Southeast Pack Trips. But we do, uh, well, like we, we, we're doing a special event this weekend. We're giving you a real rare deal. Uh, we're charging you $150. Uh, we're furnishing you a horse for $70 for two days. 
and uh, you're going to Cherry Creek, get bed linens, and uh, evening meal, breakfast next morning for 80 bucks. It's a $150 uh, fee. If anybody wants to join us, we've got a few spots still left. Uh, we're doing that. But uh, we do a lot of crazy stuff on a horse. That's what we do. But mainly the Facebook page and uh, the, the uh, website. Uh, and then you can email me uh, through Squarespace. With your, give me an idea of what you want to do and your length of time and your dates and the number of riders and the age group, and we'll come up with a customized ride to satisfy your group, your family, whatever it is, church groups, family groups, bachelor parties, it doesn't matter. Just call us. That'd be pretty cool. That'd be pretty cool. So you come to Larry's and you can camp in a teepee. You can ride a great gated horse and eat some of his great gourmet food. Bobby, that sounds pretty good. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, I want to invite you guys up anytime. I know you guys stay busy, but uh, get up if you can while we're all able. You know, I, I, I don't uh, know. Yes. We're, we're here for a while, I hope. But please come see us, Gary. I've been offering that to you for several years. And you stay I'm busy. Coming. But, uh, I'm coming. All right. I'm coming. All right. I'll be Everybody up there. try to get the big st- well, try to get the Big South Fork. Anybody that's in, uh, interested in trail riding, and I guarantee you, we'll give you an experience like you hadn't had in many places. All right. Well, Larry McMillan, you've been great. Thank you for taking some time to be with us today. Well, thank you guys, Bobby Jean. Come see us. Always a pleasure to talk to you, Larry. All right. Thank you, and good to hear All from right. you, Gary. You take care of yourself now. All right. We'll do it. All right, good to talk to you. All right, we'll be back in just a minute. We're going to listen to a great song by Mr. Mike Blakely, One Call the Outside Circle, and we'll come back in just a moment on Saddle Up America. When I was a young boy, my age was barely 10, riding my first roundup, with the older boys and men The foreman sent our best hand Where lesser men might fail To ride the outside circle The longest, roughest trail I watched that top pan ride out On a skittish coat that day Once on a distant ridge Saw him turning horns my way He pinned the herd by evening His pony soaked with sweat I made myself a promise That I still remember yet One day I'd ride the outside circle And I'd make a top hand Riding through the sage so purple Round the old and I chouse the wildest cattle on the roughest broncos, and I'd ride the outside circle for the brand. I held my promise sacred, and I ain't to keep my word. I learned to throw a fast loop From the rankest in the herd And it was ten years later 
When I heard the roundup boss He said, you'll ride the outside circle, son Go catch yourself a horse And I rode the outside circle And I became top hand Riding through the sage so purple Round the old potato stand And I challenged the wildest on the roughest Broncos And I rode the outside circle For the brand well, These days I am the foreman and Some say I'm growing old It's true my hair is silver and it's plain my legs are bold I ride the inside circles now But just ask my cowboy peers They know I rode that outside circle For well not 30 years Yes, I rode the outside circle I became top hand Riding through the sage so purple Round the old Cotillo stands And I child the wildest cat On the roughest Broncos And I rode the outside circle For the brand And in dreams I ride the ridges In my stirrups I still stand And I ride the outside circle For the brand Mike Blakely, and it is the Outside Circle. And uh, Bobby Bell, what a fun show today with Floyd and Valerie Beard and with Larry McMillan. I mean, this, you know, this, this is fun. Yeah. You know, Floyd and Valerie, they just make me smile. We met them for lunch a few months ago at a, um, at a uh, Cracker Barrel. And uh, they just, you know, they, I just saw them standing there waiting for us, and it just, they just make me smile, you know. They just, <laughs> and they're just so fun. And then um, Larry, so much joy in his voice about what they offer. Um, he's got to be the best spokesman for the Big South Fork. You know, the National Park should just be hiring him to promote <laughs> the Big South Fork. Uh, gosh, well, he, he does a good job with that. And uh, uh, I actually, I met Larry uh, a couple of months ago for the very first time uh, of all places at the Kentucky Horse Park in Lexington when I was up there for the Equus Film Festival. Yeah, and, for that uh, he, festival. Oh, well, that was just a little bit ago. That yeah, just too long ago. first of December, yeah. first of December. Which has already been two months. This year is already going by so quickly. January yeah. is gone. We're rolling into February, and uh, mm-hmm. but anyway, he was a neat guy. Larry was on a, a couple of panels up there, and I was doing a lot of interviews. So we we got to meet this little bit. I got to meet his new wife, which was a pleasure. But um, yeah, the, these folks that we have on the show, I was thinking about that today, yesterday, are just all so genuine, all of them, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, entertainers, performers, uh, equestrians, 
well-known, not so well-known. It doesn't make any difference. They're all just as genuine as they can be. <clears throat> and I think that's just because of the type of, uh, whether they're in the Western music world or the country music world or the equestrian world, uh, just a lot of good folks. A lot of good folks. Makes it a lot of fun. Makes what we do a lot of fun. Oh, yeah. Makes what I like his three rules. One of them was have fun. <laughs> <laughs> Don't, Don't fall, fall off. off. Have fun. Have fun. Don't talk have politics. Fun. Yeah. All three good rules. Yeah. All three, three good rules. Good rules. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, any any final thoughts that you have for us today? Well, I have one as we're coming around the end of the first month of the year and and thinking about even uh, not resolutions, but um, goals or ideas I had for this year and the fact that one month has already um, gotten away from me. Here's one. Mm -hmm. This is actually a quote of Oprah Winfrey's. From time to time, you may stumble, but I know this. If you're willing to be guided by that still, small voice that is the GPS within yourself, you will be happy you will be successful, and you will make a difference in the world. Wow. Well, and we all need to make a difference in the world uh, in we a do. positive way. Yeah. We do. Yeah. Yep. Well, again, it's been a good show today. We want to thank all of our listeners out there for joining us, and uh, we really do appreciate that. It, it's a little bit of effort to, to – uh, log in and listen to whatever device you're listening on, but we certainly appreciate that. We hope you enjoy the shows. We'd like to hear from you uh, when you can think of it, but I know folks are always busy. But um, join us next Thursday, beginning at noon, for the Campfire Cafe, followed by Saddle Up America. And we want to remind you, as always, you can catch our live shows and the archive podcast at equestrianlegacy.net. Bobby, talk to you next week. Talk to you in a week. We're going to close out the segment today with a great song from Miss Adrian Brannon. It's one called Black Rock Woman. Thanks for listening. I was your black rock woman Fancy free and wild were the red-headed stranger The sinner deserved to die And when the time came around name I breathed life into you But the coldness of the morning Brought the whiskey rain I swallowed every drop just to feel alive. I was your black rock woman, but the words dissolved like mist. Caught and spun me around, a fire beating. I float above the wall here 
Wrong.